Welcome to Hearthside Salons. I'm Heidi Hornbacher of Pagecraft Writing. Each week we bring you conversations with creators and innovators to feed your creative fire. Anyone will tell you Hollywood is a tough business. And it is. This town is full of cynics, charlatans, and sharks. But not many folks talk about the joy to be found here. Mega indie producer, author, and instructor Suzanne Lyons of Snowfall Films has built a career on sharing knowledge, standing up for integrity and kindness, and finding the playfulness in the business. She believes the only place filmmaking drama belongs is on the screen. Today, she shares her biggest mistakes and lessons learned on her path to success. Suzanne had so much great stuff to say, we had to break it into two episodes. Here's part one. Welcome. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you so much for joining us on Hearthside Salons. I am thrilled to have you. You're welcome. I'm excited I, to be here. Heidi, yes. I haven't seen you in such a long time. I mean, it was years ago, right? It was years ago. I did your course uh, in indie producing, low budget producing when it was over at that, there was a hotel in Burbank. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know exactly where you mean on West Olive. Yes, yes, yes. And I ran the cameras for you. That was how I yeah. that was how I paid for the class was I did all the <laughs> I did the cameras for you. It just impressed me so much that you have you have such a huge depth of knowledge and that you're just like your whole thing is sharing it with people. Like you don't you want other people to be a success too. Yeah. So yeah, that's why we're here, right? Yeah. I love <laughs> it. We're each other, especially women, right? Like, yes. We, we need more be. of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so like, how did you get started? Like where, where you grew up in Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. In a little like, village, um, very tiny little area in Northern New Brunswick, kind of close to the Acadian area. The okay. French Acadian. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and uh, very, you know, with a huge family of, you know, nine kids and, um, <clears throat> and uh, stuff like that. A very Irish Catholic. When I, was about seven years old. We had a, cin uh, a cinema, <clears throat> a very tiny little cinema. <clears throat> and it was about, um, only about a two and a half hour, two, a two and a half hour mile, sorry, walk <clears throat> to get to the ferry boat and then over to watch the um, Oh my goodness. cinema. And then, uh, you know, we'd have our quarter, my, my cousin and I, and, and it was 20 cents to get in and five cents to <laughs> buy the candy. Oh my God. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> try not to do the math here and um and one day one movie it was a saturday afternoon matinee you know for the young for the kids and i remember sitting there and i was watching because i used to try to sit really close and mm. you know, watch the big screen i was so oh and just in love with it all and and what happened is it was sword in the stone and i, I remember when he took the sword out of the stone I was there. I was on the screen. I was part of it. I was no longer Suzanne. I was no longer, I had no identity. You know what I mean? I was just completely transported to this magnificent world. And it was just like mesmerizing. But it never, I never as a child thought, oh, I have to do that. You know mm. what I mean? Um, but then also because I was, uh, I had a lot of surgeries. I lived in the hospital a lot between one and, and 12, two and 12 years old. And we used to, in the, and we, I, li I literally went to a one room schoolhouse with a oh. big hot belly stove. I'm not kidding. Oh my God. Uh, 
the outhouses were in the back when we're talking minus 40 celsius celsius degrees yeah uh but that's the way life was you know and then there was a barn where we got the wood to put in the stove and stuff and um we had newsreels because i never passed any of my grades from one to six I, i i just failed at all of them and you still got to go through it was a country school um, because I just couldn't, I never paid attention ever. I was daydreaming all the time. And, uh, and, and I was always, because I spent so much time, I think in hospitals, I was trying to escape. Mm. A lot. And I think that's why I was in love with these newsreels. She would put a big sheet on the wall, the teacher and show these newsreels probably from you know, like cold war time. Yeah. Like these old newsreels, right. From the fifties. And, um, and it was just, once again, I was just like taken to another world. And I think that's what it was, is it was that wonderful feeling of being able to escape into a different world. And, you know, that just, I was passionate about. So then came grade 12. And by, back then, this is like 1972. And the, so the uh, guidance counselor says, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I've really thought about it. And she said, well, you're, you know, a young girl. So she said, you know, you got three choices. Oh, no. Here we go. Secretary. Yep. A nurse or a teacher. And I didn't know any different. No, I mean, we never really, there was no pressure in our family that, that we had to do one thing or another, even though my sisters had gone to, one was a nurse and the other had gone to university and, and so on. But, and I knew I was immature. I was kind of very young too at, at, in grade 12. And I said, um, I said, okay, then I don't know how to type or anything like that. So I'll go to secretarial school. So I went to secretarial school for a year and, um, and then worked for a year. And it was during that working year when I saw people out there more in the world, it was all men, all my bosses were men. And I did a lot of their work for them because Mm -hmm. it was, you know, (laughs) yep. I don't want to say anything negative, but, and um, so I thought, oh my God, I'm making $4,000 a year and they're making $16,000 a year. Something's not right with the picture, you know? And so I thought, what was the other thing that she had told me to, I could do? Oh, I, I couldn't, certainly couldn't be a nurse because I spent most of my childhood in a hospital and that was the end of that. But, oh, okay, I'll be a teacher. And I loved sharing anyway. I love storytelling all the time. And so that's what I uh, did. I went to university and did like a double, you know, like an arts degree and a teaching degree in drama and English and history. And uh, then it was in my third year there that we opened up a cable network. One of the Montreal stations, you know, gave us all their old black and white equipment. And so I literally laid the cable in the tunnels of the university, University of New Brunswick. And uh, and it was my and all I thought about really were boys, you know, from probably 13 to that age. Right. And so then. Every Friday and Saturday night, it was okay. What, you know, what thing, what tavern are we going to or what party in one of the other boys' residences or whatever. And here I was behind a camera shooting a basketball game. And that was the last I thought about boys for probably the next two or three years. (laughs) I fell so in love. I mean, I was so in love with that camera. And I remember shooting that I almost became uh, like crazy obsessed. Like I would shoot that's all I did every weekend is what needs to be shot. You're a professor and you're going away on vacation. Do you need me to, you know, can I shoot your class? Can I do a football game? Like we were shooting anything. All There's only 10 of us, you know, and, um, and uh, our local little television station. And, uh, and I just had the most fun. It was so much fun to be behind the camera. So even though I was only in third year university at the time, I did apply then across Canada to go to broadcasting school. Okay. Film and broadcasting. Cause I didn't, I loved it both. I love both. So I did film and broadcasting combined. 
And, um, and then I worked at the TV station in New Brunswick. I got a job back then and then, and then became a vice president a little too quickly at 29 years old back then when wow. people, no, that wasn't a glass ceiling. That was called a cement ceiling. Oh God. Days. Oh yes. Trust me. And, uh, anyway, so I worked, uh, in Halifax and Nova Scotia for many years as wow. the vice president of a television network and a television station. And then, um, my husband and I, ended up doing landmark uh, forum, the, mm -hmm. the forum together. And uh, we kind of talked about it afterwards and said, what is next for us? What's predictable and what's outrageous, you know? And what was predictable would, I would probably be moving on to my boss's job. Mm -hmm. actually Stay at the TV station, yeah. Yeah, and he was retiring. And then Jim would probably be moving into mine, my job at the time. And, uh, and we thought that sound it's all good. We love, no there's no place on earth like Nova Scotia to this day, it's still our favorite place. And we love the station, we love the people, but we thought it's so predictable. So what could be, what's something outrageous? So we sat down and we decided to apply for jobs. We did London, London in England, um, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago. I think I, for anyways, um, five or six different cities. And we said, whoever gets the first job um, you know, that's where we're going and wow. we're in Philadelphia. Yeah. So, uh, so we were going to stay there for a year, which turned out to be five years. And uh, then, you know, then after that, but you know what, I think it's time to move out of television and into features. Now you're producing independent film. Yeah. What, what was your first major breakthrough where you're like, I got it right. Like I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, Oh, I see. I think in terms of the mistakes and stuff. Like no, like, let's talk about the good stuff first. Yeah. And then we can talk about all the mistakes. <laughs> um, I think it, oh, that's a good question. Oh my God. Cause there's so many fun moments on set. And uh, one of the ones I remember is being in development on a project uh, with my director and the writer. We were having, my director was over at Warner Brothers. So we were having a meeting together. It was just an indie lower budget uh, kind of type film. Well, at the time that wouldn't have been low budget, like say 10 million. And, um, and I remember we were in development and brainstorming ideas to make the script better. It was a family film, great little family film. And I remember walking out of the office afterwards. That was about two or three hour meeting in development. And I walked out and I was walking to my car and I remember thinking, why don't I feel the ground? Like, oh, I couldn't feel the ground. I remember floating to my car. I was so high from those that session of development and just the excitement of it all, you know, and it was, I remember, th so that's probably one of those aha moments mm -hmm. is like when I knew, yes, I, I was, I chose the right thing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, and you have such an incredible track record. You've worked with so many huge names. You've gotten distribution through all the, best like places um you've won BAFTAs you've won, like all this you know all these so you've kind of you've got all this acknowledgement from the universe that you're doing the right thing right right um, at a right. certain point you turn around and you're like I'm gonna now teach I'm gonna share what I know uh which is thank thank goodness for the rest of us that you did and so what like as you're seeing other young producers coming up and as you're yeah. teaching and as you're working with producers what are some of the common mistakes that you see or what are there's a lot <laughs> <laughs> um and i'm not going to name names <laughs> or anything like fair that. enough any trouble <laughs> nor would i ask you to no no um but it's uh, some of the mistakes that i made early on i'm seeing people doing today 
which is why I think I wrote the first book. I mean, my book on indie film producing is the first book on indie film producing that came out. It's almost like you wish that you could force people to read it, you know, somehow, you know, like haven't come up with a way to do it yet but because there's people that I'm working with over these years I'll just take one of my students for example she wasn't a student in the indie class she was a flash forward uh, student and uh, so she called from France from Cannes uh, one day in May many many years ago was crying and I said what's the problem and she said oh my god she said Suzanne she said the sales agent loves my movie. They love my movie. And they just asked for, you know, they gave me this sheet of these delivery items, you know, and and, and, and I'm thinking, well, oh my God, that's fantastic. Good for right. you. And she said, well, no, she said they want the chain of title. And I said, well, of course they want the chain of title. That's the first thing, the delivery, the first thing on the delivery list, right? And she said, um, I don't have a chain of title. And I went, what? You know, because I never like to make people wrong and I never scream and yell ever. But my God, did I want to scream and yell. I just, <laughs> I just said, why isn't there a chain of title? And she said, well, she said, I really didn't, you know, know too much about it. And then she said, when I just called my writer, uh, you know, because it was a couple of years later, obviously. Yeah. Um, she said, uh, you know, to say, you know, I need you to do the you know, the, the uh, copyright uh, agreement kind of thing is part of the, I, she didn't even have an option, let alone oh, any attachments to it. And she said, turns out that she and the director had never got along and they hate each other now. And he said to her, oh, and no. she's saying, uh, the movie can burn in hell for all I can. Oh no. Yes, exactly. Those were the exact words. And I couldn't even feel what I like to have been able to feel compassion for this girl yet. Well, no. Actually, I never felt compassion. I was just trying to think, could I have even conjured it up and pretended? No, no, there was, I had no compassion. I had no sympathy. I had nothing because I remember thinking, you don't get the right to play that game. You know, it was not, it was a $300,000 movie. It, or at least, no, I think it might've been more, to be honest. Mm. And it was not her, her, her visa. She didn't use her own visas. She used investors' oh. money. That's when I, I, sometimes I say to people, if it's your own visa, hell, I don't care. I yeah, really you can don't flush care. your own money down a toilet, but flush don't flush other people's money down a uh -uh. toilet. I know. So that's what made me crazy is she did not have the right to not get educated. You know, mm. there's another gal I worked with who um, was a writer, did tons of writing classes. And then she decided, you know, because she was optioning a book, she wanted to be a producer because she was going to have to pay for the option on this book. Well, it was an expensive option, but the deal that she did with the person who helped with the development money for that, the person, uh, the, the author itself, I mean, the deal, it, in other words, the movie may never get made, is what I'm oh, trying God. to say, because the deals are so bad that I'm trying to help her kind of redo those deals in a way, if it's possible, and it's, it's heartbreaking, but things like, and I'm, and I remember saying, you know, did you take writing classes when you were learning to write? Absolutely. Tons and tons of, tons of, did you take any producing classes? Well, no. Why would I need producing classes? It's How hard can it be, Suzanne? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let me think um, of another one is, um, well, me, do you want me to share a couple? Sure, <laughs> yeah. What have you, what did you do wrong? That How did you learn your oh, hard lessons? Oh my God. Do you have about six or seven hours? <laughs> we can make this a series. <laughs> it's a series, that's right. Not a limited series. No, like a full 18 episode series, like the old days. Um, anyways, so my first, one of my, one of my movies, not the first, but one of the films, 
I did not take responsibility. I used to teach classes in this kind of stuff, you know, responsibility. And I never, you know, it's funny because I remember I used to teach classes on responsibility. It was 10 sessions. And I'm thinking, oh, 10 sessions, people will get what the distinction is, what that word means. Mm. No, I think you almost need years, you know, to get the distinction responsibility. I used to teach it. I thought I had it and I didn't. In the early days, I thought that everybody knew more than I did because mm. they were here longer or they had done something, you know, right. that um, in the industry or whatever, even if it wasn't producing. So I used to relinquish my power. In other words, I would let myself off the hook many times. Mm. And I wouldn't, I, like, for example, just to take an example of, of, um, uh, of a contract with a writer. Turned out, I never read the contract. Oh, I never read it because why would I? The attorney obviously knows more than I do, right? right. So therefore, why would I read it? Why would I even question him? Why would I read the option agreement? What was not in that option agreement was a section on the transfer, the, the copyright transfer. Okay. Okay. A lot of times there, it isn't in there. A lot of times there's a separate page that's called a short form assignment, which is only, it's only a paragraph, but it's only about the transfer. So it's the first day of principal photography on a very expensive movie. And I'm in a different, you know, I'm not in America, not North America. And, um, and my sales agent was with us back then your sales agents came on early. You had your sales, oh, it was nice. what's called pre-sales back then. Yes. And, uh, which was wonderful. Those old days. Yes. That sounds oh. so good. Knowing oh, that your incredible. film has an audience going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. And having the money to make the movie. And yeah. uh, so she happened to be there. She was on set and she said, well, let's just start with some of the, you know, the, uh, the delivery items that I'm going to need. And of course, the first thing she said was the, um, chain of title, chain of title. And I said, okay, yeah, I said, yeah, I've got the option agreement, right, you know, right here. Never thinking they were two kind of separate things. So I gave her the option agreement. She said, no, no, there's nothing in here that says oh, no. you can transfer. So it's the first day. And uh, so I called the writer right away, you know, different time zone, but I called and I yeah. said to her, I said, you know what? I said, I need you to, it was literally a paragraph, this short form yeah. agreement you know, just don't mind. I said, I hope you don't mind, but you know, just be would sign this here. We never had it in, even though it's now a year and a half later. So I said, would you sign, would you mind signing it? And she said, yeah. I said, good for an extra $10,000. Uh, yeah. Ouch. Now, that person could have said an extra 50,000. Yeah. You would have had to call our husbands. Yep. And say, you know, like, you know, get please a give home. me your visa. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Oh so that was, that was a major wake up call. I have to tell yeah. you, a yeah. major wake up call, the same movie, another wake up call. Um, I had all the delivery items went in. Then we did the, you know, insurance. It was, I think Miramax, I forget who was doing the, you know, insurance, but still we, we had to provide everything into Witt Stern called, you know, the, one of the gals at DeWitt Stern. And she said, um, I don't see your script clearance report here. I said, this is embarrassing guys. Okay. This is how, and I was somebody who I thought I was pretty good. I first thing I did when Kate and I said, we're snow, starting snowfall films. The first thing we did is got two mentors and took two mentors to lunch. Like, you know, I, and I went to class, you know, I mean, especially after that legal thing, I went and to, did Mark with yeah. or whatever, you know, his class. Mark, like, like, like I have his book. Yeah. I did everything at UCLA, believe me. Um, 
all those classes. But in this case, for some reason, I had to say back to the lady at DeWitt Stern, I'm sorry, I don't know what a script clearance report is. Oh, dear. And she said, or, or maybe I didn't quite admit it in that way. Maybe I was a little more subtle. I don't know. But anyways, and she said, well, she said, there's these chocolates that I see in the movie and they don't look like they're Greek to me at all. So I said, well, they must be great. I mean, it's like, you're not gonna have real chocolates with no, you know, like nothing to show for it in terms of paper saying I can use the chocolates. And um, see, if I had done a script clearance report, all that stuff would have been circled. Yeah. And I would have been awake to it and aware of it and made sure on the set that either something was great or it, it, you know, or I had the paperwork to prove that we had the rights, right? And these chocolates were not used in a great way. Oh dear. <laughs> So the brand might not have been on board. Right. So I said to myself, Suzanne, we can't afford anything. This is now what a year later, right? The movie's done. It's, you know, I mean, now it's now with, you know, with the, with, you know, doing the Max. Yeah. Oh gosh. I called the chocolate company and I said, oh my gosh, I just made this crazy mistake last year. I said, you know, first of all, thank you again, you know, for letting us, you know, use your chocolates. It was so much fun. We had so much fun in the movie and, you know, it was da, 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 right. And I said, but you know what? I forgot one of the pieces of paperwork. And I said, I, I don't know if I forgot it there on set or, or, or if it just got lost in the other paper. I said, but if you wouldn't mind signing it again, I would be so thrilled. She said, oh, sure, just fax it over. And I faxed it over and two seconds later, I got it back with her signature. And we had the rights to the chocolate. Thank God. That could have gone sideways. That could have gone like the other one. That she could have said, yes, sweetheart, you know, give me a hundred thousand. Right. Oh God. So, I mean, you and know, then your movie's so, hamstrung. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Just like with that other gal I told you about who called from France, her movie has never been seen. It will never be seen. You oh, know, no. I, I, and I can give, I've taught a lot of classes on indie film producing and I can tell you probably about 20 of those kinds of horror stories. I'm sure. It will, they, they, they will never be seen. There is yeah. one, one of the girls who did my class one time, too late. I mean, she'd already learned a lot from her mistakes. Coca-Cola cans everywhere, <gasps> all the movie. And it's not like back end, you could just, nowadays you can say, oh, we'll just go in and, you know, do, you yeah. know, do the CGI. Blur it out or whatever, no, yeah. back then it was expensive. Plus they weren't stationary, you know, cups. They were like, it was shots, you know, people moving and stuff. Oh my God. You know I mean? Yeah. So that was another situation, but. Um, yeah, and Coke isn't a brand that's gonna be like, oh, you do it for the exposure. Like they yeah. don't need your indie movie exposure. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Oh my God. So I think well, that one of the main lessons that I've learned in, in some of those early films is being responsible. Mm -hmm. Like now I'm almost to the point where it's obsessive responsible. You know what I mean? I, when I came to do my PPM and my operating agreement, or PPM is 27 pages, an operating agreement's 26 or 27 pages. I took everybody's, you know, that I got, I picked the best of everyone's. And then instead of having somebody type them for me, or just using mm -hmm. cutting and pasting, I typed every word of those 27 and 26 pages. I did as well, I'm sure, because I got that from you. Yes, I And it's like you, you, you end up learning a lot of legalese when you have to type it out yourself. Exactly, and also and it, I And it does give you know. confidence with it. Like, I now understand what this means, and yeah. I understand, you know, to ask for it or whatever. Exactly. And I felt comfortable then calling the investors and sending them those paper, the, the paperwork with the PPM mm -hmm. and all of that, because I knew what was there. And I yeah. knew if they had questions, I could answer them. 
you know, because a lot yeah. of us as indie film producers, we don't have attorneys standing by in the next office. Yes. We're not studios, you know. And uh, so it's uh, it was, you know, really smart. So I think now I, I wear the business hat more. You know, I think when we come to this industry, we're so into the creative. We're here because we're creative. They're, you know, that that's why we're here. We're passionate about our creativity. But you've got to wear the business hat all the time. I don't care if you're the makeup artist on set, you know, the next movie you're going to get, you're getting because you're putting yourself out there and you're promoting yourself. It's a business. We're all the president and CEO of our company, yes. every one of us in this industry. Yeah. And until we get that and really get the distinction that goes with that is responsibility. Yeah. I mean, real responsibility. I brought in a couple of books that I think people should look at. And that is, as I read this about three times in the beginning of my career, is the Jack Canfield, um, the success, I mean, you probably have all read it anyways, but um, success well, principles. Yeah, you know, read it again. Okay. <laughs> and again. <laughs> um, and then of course, the this one, every I'm sure you've all read this too. Wait, I can't see it. Napoleon Think Hill. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon, Napoleon Hill. Hill extremely important because it is and, a lot about your mindset and creating because the, the buck stops with us and also for me as a producer it's like it's my job to create yeah. the vibe of set the intention of like this is going to be the kind of set where people are listened to and their input is valued and right. people aren't going to be disrespected or stomped on it's like that that comes from the producer yeah. that's right it, and that's the other thing I was going to get into from leadership comes uh, I'm sorry, from responsibility comes leadership. The mm. other book I couldn't find because I lent it to somebody, and I bet you all have read this one, is Creativity, Inc. Oh. Is everybody aware of that one? That I've done twice. I did the audio version in my car, and then I read the book. And it's Ed Catmull. You know Ed Catmull. Okay. Pixar and, 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 yes. uh, and so on. I would say that might even come before the other two books, to be Interesting. honest. That's okay. probably number one in terms of, I think it's like a must-read you know, for every producer and probably everybody in the industry, certainly producers and probably writers as well. It's it's absolutely fascinating in terms of his whole take on responsibility and leadership. Mm. And that kind of brings us into leadership too. I don't know if any of you read my blogs on my site, SuzanneLyons.net. I've got a thing you can hit on blogs and there's 25 blogs that I've written over the past couple of years. And um, there's two of them. So there's 10, 20 different tips on or distinctions on leadership and just mm. how important it is and I can share a little bit about some of that in terms of some of the things that I did right yeah I mean because that's the, the next thing I was going to ask was, was qualities of a good producer like what makes a good producer because what I remember really taking away from flash forward with you was your network is bigger than you think it is and start looking at who's around you and what they bring to the table and what what you might ask them for and you know, it's a list. It's, it's a to-do list. It's about being prepared. It's about knowing all these pieces. You have to know the moving parts in every aspect, all the teams, all the departments, and all the post and distribution and festival and all that stuff and the budget, like it all comes down to you. And, but it's lists, like as long, you can manage it. You just yeah. have to know the thing, the steps that need to be done. Right. And it's not, not mysterious. Like need, yeah. And you don't need to get educated in all those things. I don't know how to do a budget, nor do I want to, nor do I ever want to know how to do a budget, but I know how to read a budget. Yeah. I took, obviously I took, uh, I can't remember who it was back then. Bordega, I think was his name or something like that. I took his, um, his budget class. It was one day class, one full day, and then the board class, you know, and how to do the day out of days. And I yes. took that class. So 
but I didn't master it. I'm not a line producer. I don't have to know all the details. But you know enough to know that the line producer is doing a good job. Exactly. Just to be aware of all of that stuff. Um, Absolutely. I think uh, to talk to you about some of the good stuff, I think there's still some mistakes that might come up in that. Like, for example... Uh, when you're choosing your um, your director and your line producer, it's really important that you're on the same wavelength. There was one point that we made a wrong decision. And here's the interesting thing to go right back to the word responsibility and leadership again, is Kate and I had lunch with him, uh, with that particular director. And it was the, the choice of kind of one of our actors, one of the bigger actors. So we decided to go with that particular director. And we took to lunch, we took him to lunch. And I remember we both left lunch that day. And I said to Kate, how do you feel? And she said, not good. And she said, Suzanne, how do you feel? And I said, I feel sick to my stomach and it wasn't the food. So we had a gut response. We had an intuition, you know, Mm -hmm. it's called, right? An intuition telling us something's not okay. Yeah. And when something's not okay that early in the game, we're talking early and this was like, yeah, we didn't sign the deal yet. Um, it only pro- gets worse. Yeah. Um, so we, but we both ignored it. We both uh. said, no, you know what? It's okay. It'll be okay. Yep. It'll get better. It'll be fine. He'll be fine. I spent every day, Kate and I, with no money, if we had no money, uh, actually, and picking up treats in the morning to take to set because he screamed and yelled every single day with language oh, and I, I i'm I, I speak like a sailor i swear to god and <laughs> it was worse than that i mean it was you know that's where i kind of learned about acknowledgement because every day i would have to pick a different group that he berated the most oh, god. and acknowledge them and, and and apologize on you know from kate and i on on you know, their behalf and uh, their behalf and so on. So I really learned to acknowledge a lot, which is going to be the flip side that I learned, you know, is that follow your gut, follow your instincts. They're going to be right every time. I promise mm-hmm. it, it only yes. got, got worse. And, and a few times that I've done it since, same thing happened, you know. Oh, so I, I just, I, I had a flash of, I had to talk <laughs> the caterers out of leaving when they were horribly abused by a director and I had to convince them to please not leave because we didn't have any more money to hire any more caterers and, you know, yeah. cleaning up after an angry director. And yeah, I've, and, done, I've done that too. And yeah. right when, when I was taking flash forward with you, um, we had that experience where we, we were putting together a teaser for this adventure, but these four young girls, high school age girls. So it was very important that it was female centric. And, uh, and this was, back before all the conversations that we're having now about, you know, me too, and, and, and perception and perspective and the the male gaze versus the female gaze and all that. And we hired this guy who we thought was going to be a great director. And he came in and he wanted to do these promo shots of our young lead. And he put her kind of up on a ladder and he was taking upskirt shots because it looked so powerful that she was up high and looking. And I, we were, and my friend and I both looked at each other, my producer, and we were like, this is all wrong. Like we cannot let him direct this project. He will ruin all the female empowerment that it, so we, we knew we had to get a female director first yeah. of all totally. but you know it's just like knowing that you're so on you're just wrong wavelength yeah yeah but yet a lot of the time you know if, if say i'm one of the movies i did somebody a favor and i let him come and work on the film in a kind of a fairly big job and uh because something was happening personally and i just wanted to do the favor and my life was hell for about three or yeah. four months 
health. I, I have a friend who is a, a B level, he's not an A level director, but he's, a, he's fairly, he does fine. Um, and he, he got uh, stuck with a lead actress because she came with the financing, even though everyone knew she was wrong for the part. Wow. And um, to this day, the movie was a huge flop because she had zero charisma and they had to basically cut around the love story, which was supposed to be the A story of the plot. They had to make it the B story and make a different story, the A story to try to salvage. And, and, and he was just like, why did I say yes to that financing? Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, do you want the movie made or do you want it made right? Yeah. Interesting. I just thought of something else, Heidi, as you were saying that too. And that is who are you being that, also, and I'm, I'm thinking of myself in that lunch, you know, mm -hmm. um, that I was not being more conscious of my intuition and my gut response, yeah. but also there's times when I'm not in great shape, let's say, and I attract those people into my life, you know, like whatever wavelength I might happen to be on. Maybe I'm stressed because we're still looking for the funding and we're getting closer to the film or whatever. So who am I attracting? Like, is that maybe when mm -hmm. I'm making some wrong decisions? So that would be kind of something to look at too. Yeah. I was, I had, I had coffee with an actress about three months ago up in um, Toronto. And she was just sharing with me about how on the way, uh, on the hour long drive to get to me, um, you know, people were giving her the finger on the highway and somebody was beeping. And she said, I didn't know what I did wrong and I didn't do anything. And she was like defending whatever, you know, she was doing. And I remember thinking, it's probably the way she got out of bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like who was she being that day that she was attracting those kind of people into her life? So that's another level, another cut at responsibility. It yeah. always comes back to me. I would love to scream and yell at people and blame people, even when it is their fault. But every time as the producer, it's always got to come back to me. Nobody else is to blame but me. Just same thing with that, with that attorney I was mentioning. Yeah. Would I love to scream and yell at him? Absolutely. <laughs> but I never read it and I never even asked about it. Same thing with the partners I worked at one time with one time. They did the director's agreement on a project and I was doing the writer's agreement and I thought, well, they know what they're doing, right. even though we were all fairly new. I don't need to read it. Well, do you know that in that director's agreement, he was getting a writing credit, even though Kate and I had already said sole writer <gasps> to, yes, no. lawsuit major lawsuit oh god and, and as a writer that just hurts my heart so much now we fit we fixed you know we cleaned it up we just yeah we got on the phone kate and i are think it's the other thing i want to get to too is communication but we were we were able to clean it up it wasn't yeah. easy this conversation with these two people was not easy because when people get a little crazy yeah they, they, they get entrenched you yes. know um but we had to save this situation you know so we just oh we, we talked them down off that ledge and everybody was fine and we all fell back in love but uh it was it was touch and go and that was a two hundred fifty thousand dollar lawsuit oh and, god yeah. and it was avoidable it was so avoidable yeah and that's the thing is even when even though we were fine you know it was disappeared a week later but it still cost the five thousand you still have the minute you get a lawsuit you have to bring on this back then and probably more now the attorney yeah go in between and that's five it was five thousand so anytime yeah. you know so you think oh well you know that might happen but if it happens that's money that's out of now that's your pocket it's a year later you know or whatever. yeah so just things like that the other thing i want to point to is generosity and abundance i notice why a lot of people don't get things done is because they stand in scarcity 
and this industry not that I want to berate the, the unions at all because they have wonderful they do have a lot of wonderful aspects but they were they were originated you know from a time when when there was the us against them you mm -hmm. know the, the unions in the 1940s and so on and so there's still that philosophy <clears throat> going on within the unions it's like an us against them you know sort of thing or I better get it before you do or there's not enoughness or whatever so we have to really be careful because I noticed that a lot with the students so, because I probably worked with about 15,000 of you guys over the years since 1993 right wow. um, so I mean that was all the flash forward stuff but yeah what I noticed is that you know when people get their foot nailed to the floor like that you know that it, that it's hard to break that habit break the thinking mm -hmm. that's why flash forward was 30 days so you could break the various habits right not that we told you guys that at the time and uh but it's anyways, coming from it's the same thing you were just talking about is it's is are your decisions coming from fear or are they coming from you know confidence and like being a good leader exactly exactly so you want to so and it doesn't come easy you know a lot of time you are worried you know is somebody else going to get the money for their movie and i don't get it from mine because they're going to the same investor as that you know and like my husband always says you, you know you can never nobody can ever take away something that's yours so if you're standing in that it's yours it's yeah. yours you know and so what kate and i did early on you know when we became partners and i and i was going to start with that today too in terms of being partners is make sure you are on the same page you know yes. we would stand in that we we're going to be generous we're going to be polite always. We're going to be on time. We're going to be early for every meeting. We're going to be standing in abundance when we do up our PPM and our operating agreement. We're going to be offering, you know, a, a finder's fee that's higher than, you know, somebody would want. We offered executive producer to credits to, to our, you know, the people that bought the number of units on our thing. Mm -hmm. It's all in my book that, you know, some of you might have. But um, anyways, we really stood there, you know. Yeah. And even on the way to a meeting, we would talk about our intention for the meeting, you know. And if things didn't go well, then we would reprogram that meeting. We would turn it into it went well because we learned such and such or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we were always kind of really, we were good in, in many, many ways like that as partners. So if you are partnering up, just make sure you're on the same page and watch for things like generosity, abundance versus scarcity. Also no drama, keep the drama on the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of, of, of ours, you know, is going through a rough time because the producers on, on, on the movie are not great not great you know in terms of communicating and and it's just in many 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 ways and uh so it's it's been a rough 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 road and guys it doesn't need to be a rough road this yeah. is supposed to be fun we are yes. here to provide joy entertainment escape you know yeah make people laugh we are here in the most magnificent industry in the world to and we get to make a difference we get to have you know creative you know consciousness you know where yes. we can tell a story that empowers people we can turn things around we can, look what we're doing with diversity you know compare i'm watching old movies right now and when i see some of the the way that people are are portrayed it's heartbreaking yeah. Yeah. what's happening now so we get to look at what look at with them um, you know the big bang theory in uh in australia alone i'm going to get the statistics wrong it's, it's worth kind of looking them up little girls um you know went uh, after watching oh. that and seeing the science you know the, the girl with science just like you know with um uh, with the x-files with uh yeah little name? girls are going into stem and yeah oh scully. scully scully was a huge huge yeah scully. huge role model 
That's exactly. right. If, you, if we see it, we believe we can be it. That's right. So we have that power. And that's why you we can't take it lightly. You know, yes. we've got to be really standing for, I'm going to get emotional over this one. But, um, I mean, it's just so important. And I don't yes. think we realize we, how much fun and joy we can bring yeah. and the change that we can create on the planet and the difference we can make. So you know, that's one of the other things I wanted to say. The other thing is communication. You yeah. have to master the art of communication and the art of listening. It's yeah. so important. Another thing is get a mentor uh, and certainly wear the business hat all the time. I know that you guys want to ask questions, so I don't want to go to, I have so much. Oh, and the timeline, please, for God's sakes, the oh, minute yes. you take on a movie, do your timeline. Otherwise, it's taking yourself off the hook. You're like putting your ship out there in the water with no rudder and you will drift and drift and drift. <clears throat> so the minute you say, I'm going to produce a movie, put the rudder on the ship, send it off. And the first thing, the first way to do that is create a timeline and yes. put your friggin' ass on the line. You know what I mean? Yep. If you've just signed the option agreement, say, okay, <clears throat> this movie will you know, I will be at the American Film Market or the Cannes, you know, festival or whatever, you know, of um, November of uh, 2021 or 2022 or whatever, like, yeah. and then back time the whole thing. Otherwise you will be drifting. And, you know, and I know so many people who have got so much intelligence and so many ways to make things happen in this industry. And they never have because they never put their ass on the line. Let's see. And it's because, yeah, it's accountability, making yourself accountable. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, I, and we have teams, you know, like Jill and I, who's on here today, she and she, there's one, two, three, five of us and a team. And we talk twice a month on the first and the 15th of the month. And then before I was part of their team, I was part of another team where we used to meet at Arts Deli. Studio City for four years. I was part of that team. There was six of us, and we would divide it up. No complaining. None. Of, oh, that's the other thing. No complaining ever. As a producer, you don't get the right ever to complain. Yeah. <clears throat> and we would just say, "Here's what my goal is for the next three months. Here's my quarterly. Here's what I need. Here's what I don't need. You know, here's what my promises are. Here's what my commitments are. Things like that." And I remember I was teaching a class in Santa Fe, or I forget. Yeah, Santa Fe. And they teamed me up with David Valdez, who you know who used to run. Um, Plenty. Switch. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then we're in Santa Fe and, and I'm talking to them, the students, it was writers and producers, I believe. And, um, and I was sharing about Arts Deli, you know, and how important it is to have a either a committed listener or an accountability team or accountability partner or whatever. And then David said, yeah, he said, I'll, he said, me too. He said, in fact, my group's at, our, at Arts Deli. And I said, no, 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 David. I said, you're David Valdez. <laughs> You don't have an accountability group for God's sakes, right? Like how many movies are in the green? I mean, mentioned there's like a list. Yeah. And um, and he he looked at me like I'm crazy because I'm looking at the students thinking it's a joke, right? You never like, stop like, needing an accountability team. I said, how many? First of all, we ours was from nine to eleven, and his was from eleven to one. So I've been with him all those years. He said, oh, he said, but Susan, we've meeting there for years and years and years. And I said, how many of you? He said, there's seventeen. So there's usually at least four to five who show up. Oh and my all goodness! Seventeen were names like David Valdez. Wow. I yeah. love that. That's like practice of leadership is never, yes. you never stop needing the basics and you never stop needing a team. Yeah. And I, before I open it up for questions, I did just want to say the thing, the, the, what you're, what you're creating, what you're standing in and the, the tone you set for your team and for the production is so important. And I have, I took that from your class and I always have, you know, my sets are always going to be fun and inclusive and, and respectful and all this. Yeah. I made a short film last year and 
And it was, you know, that commitment I just kept through the whole thing and it was fun. Yeah, there were obstacles. Yeah, there were, cra- our set literally got rained out and flooded twice, you know, and, you know, but there were things we, we overcame everything and the film is beautiful. And um, I had a, a friend who is a little more committed to like how hard it is and how hard they work here. And, and they literally said to me, this film, you, you know, I, I was really happy with that. And they said, it can't be that good because you didn't suffer enough. Oh and my I, God. And I said, what? That that short film is now on Amazon Prime. So yes. I'm just yeah. like, I'm sorry. I didn't, I don't, I'm not buying into that. I need to suffer for my no. art to be good. So no, that's why that symbol of that pushing the, I remember I was in an organization. I came it was one of the hit ones here in LA where there's their logo was pushing the rock, you know, up the hill. Yes. And I'm thinking, sweetheart, I'm doing nothing Mm-mm. but watching it roll on down. No. You know what I mean? Jump <clears throat> into the flow. There's a good exercise though, because all that person was saying though, Heidi, is that they were scared. Yeah. That's oh, that's very, that's very that's apparent. All it is. Yeah, so, it really was. So in terms of having some compassion, all it was is they were scared. They needed to get themselves off the hook. They didn't even know that they were trying to get themselves off the hook. That's how that's scared true. they were. So what I would do for an exercise for, for that though, because we're all there, you know, and I still yeah. do it in the flash forward. I think it was flash forward. I can't remember which, which course it was where we had to do one of the exercises guys was to do a, a list every day of any conversation that came to your mind that was a conversation that stopped you okay mm. and there's many and every day people had to write them out in fact it was right in the flash forward binder and i have since used it in other classes and what happens after a while is you see that it's the same thing you know because we are 90 percent of our thoughts that we're having today, just so you know, 90% of them are the same thoughts you had yesterday. It's been programmed. What a waste of time. <laughs> very little. Yeah. Yeah. So mindfulness is an ongoing, you know, uh, yeah. you know, mastery thing that we'll have to do for the rest of our lives. But uh, all I'm just saying is that you just want to be, you know, really, really, really conscious of what are those conversations. And yeah. one of the ways to do that is to start making a list every day. And after a while, everyone was, I remember in flash forward, people were almost crying when they had to, when they, when I mentioned they have to do it because they didn't want, first of all, you don't want to face it, but yeah. the more you write them out every day, the more by about the end of the week, you'll start laughing. You'll go, oh my God, it's that one again. I yeah. don't believe it. I didn't want it. Oh my God. And you'll literally start to laugh at yourself. And then you can start breaking those habits because you'll start to see them is observation is the most important important thing and um the more you start observing observing yourself like this the more you can wake up from that and i'm not, it's not like a make wrong not like oh suzanne you know that's one of my weaknesses and you're pointing at it no i'm saying looking at i did a whole yeah. ball and turning your weaknesses into strengths i think it's a good thing i look every day for my weaknesses so that i can turn them around i think yeah. that's the fun that's why we're put on planet earth that's why we're here for growth Growth, joy, happiness, period. And amen. Growth, but that's what it's all about. So growth means that, you know, and that's why sharing is so fun. And from a selfish point of view, what's so great about sharing and teaching and, you know, and all of that sort of thing is that it literally improves your own immune system. The Mm. more you share, the more that you learn, and then you share what you learn, 1,300, 1,300 new cells form in my brain when... I learned something. The huh. next day they have dissolved unless I share what I've learned. Then they double. Oh my goodness. That and must be why I love teaching. 
It makes yeah. my brain bigger. It makes your brain, literally. And not just that, but it literally impacts the chemicals in such a yeah. way that your immune system is improved by about 50%. Oh, that's Unbelievable. Amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Next time on Hearthside Salons, part two of our conversation with Suzanne Lyons. We open up to audience questions and Suzanne does deep coaching dives on finding mentors, leveling the playing field, creating your 25-year film business plan, and finding investors. Special thanks to our graphic and sonic designer, Joel Harris. Our theme music is by Lachey Swing. For more on our script coaching, online concept to pages screenwriting courses, and writing retreats in Italy, again someday, or to be part of our live recording audience, visit us at pagecraftwriting.com, at pagecraftwriting on Instagram, and at pagecraftwrite on Twitter. I'm Heidi from Pagecraft. Thanks for listening and stay well.